listening to HR After Hours. Pop Culture Edition. All right, well, welcome to yet another fun edition of HR After Hours Pop Culture. Yay! (laughs) This week, I think, Hannah, you picked the episode, and it's a great episode. I'm excited. Got a couple fun takes on it. Tell us what we're discussing in today's pop culture edition of HR After Hours. Sure. And it's kind of sad in my mind that we're digging back over 20 years ago, which it's hard to believe. And it makes me feel a little old, but we're going to talk about Seinfeld. And we're going to talk about mostly a specific episode, but I'd say there's about a three episode arc on this where Uh, We're going to talk about the end of season eight going into season nine. And it starts with the summer of George, where George had received a severance package, which, come on, that's very HR related. Has the summer of George, which I can, if I can just put a little side note in there, I've had a couple of friends where either friends have lost their jobs or quit their jobs and took some time off. And we always refer to that time in between jobs as the summer of George, no matter if it's in winter (laughs) or fall. But whenever you take time off between two jobs, it's the summer of George. And I've got some great stories about that, but that'll be for another podcast. But we're going to talk a bit about about that. And, uh, you know, we're specifically want to talk about what's called the Butter Shave episode, the season premiere of season nine, uh, going into, you know, episode one, going into episode two. But George has just gone off of his summer of George and he's using a cane to get around because of the craziness that ensued in the summer of George, a.k.a. fell down the stairs. He applies for a job and the job believes that he's got a disability. So that is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, And I'm really excited because I'm a big Seinfeld fan. I don't know about you. I do know about you. But, uh, you know, Mick, what are your thoughts here? So there's a couple of great things, I, and I love that we picked. You're right. It's We're going to focus on this episode, but it does hit a great story arc. It, it, there's so much here. So the Summer of George ends up being an epic fail because the Summer of George really ends up him rehabilitating mm-hmm. his injury. George is in extremely painful physical therapy, mm-hmm. and that's how he's actually going to spend his summer, which is kind of typical of that character. Nothing ever works out. The amount of peaks to the valleys of his social life are just really and disproportionate that, against him. Honestly, uh, though, that that's why it's perfect calling that time between jobs the summer of George, <laughs> because it's never as great as you expect never. it to be. So it's, it's perfect. I mean, I, you know, I've got, we could have a whole other podcast about it, but it's literally, I had a friend who was, who was fired from a job and, and it was right at summertime. And he was like, it's the summer of George. And, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing he says is, well, we're going to take a vacation from ourselves. And he convinces Jerry and Kramer to grow mustaches as a vacation <laughs> yep. from themselves. And so season nine opens with them in the diner and they're looking at each other. And it's the first time you see these fully grown mustaches on uh, Jerry and George. And they're both like, yeah, this is a working and yep. so they they decided to shave them so that that's kind of funny that the entire that that was the accomplishment of the summer of george was mm-hmm. the mustaches which they quickly uh dispel so you've got george now on a cane which is good for him and he, and he has his, a job interview is a job interview mm-hmm. with play now sports and you got to remember i mean this is george he had worked for the yankees and now he's at, uh, interviewing for a position at Playmore, which is a... Play now. 
Play Now, sorry, which is a, uh, a quick playground equipment company. Mm-hmm. And so he gets the interview and he's on the cane. He's got his cane with him. And during the interview, he goes, well, we've, we're real excited. We've heard great things about you. And then all of a sudden, this is the chance. This is that moment where something could go either way. And he mentions, oh, and obviously we won't treat you any differently with your handicap. <laughs> George starts to actually speak out. Then he cuts him off. And then all of a sudden he goes, and of course, you'll have your own private handicap uh, handicap equipped bathroom uh, that we'll provide for you. And then George, of course, lights up and, uh, you know, does his shrug like, okay, let's see how this goes, accepts the job. So, <laughs> so if, you know, he, he tried for a second and he just said, okay, let's just roll with it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts when he does that? Hannah? Are you, uh, I, you know, it's, <laughs> It's definitely fiction. I mean, I'm not saying that people haven't tried to take advantage, but I feel like it is a funny storyline, but I have I don't think I've ever really experienced anything quite as dramatic as somebody and and, and he wasn't faking a handicap, but he just didn't disclose that it was a temporary handicap situation, you know? And the cane, you know, the cane was needed at the time, but not but not, you know, it was temporary. But, you know, I, I guess my maybe I'm a more silver lining or, or positive person, but I feel like it's funny, but definitely not true. But, you know, hey, HR practitioners out there, if you've had an experience where somebody has faked something that to this degree, I'd love to hear about it. Give us a call. Give us an email whatever uh but i think it's a great storyline but man if i was the hr manager and uh I, I feel like it'd be a tough thing to deal with too because you you know certainly he shows up to the interview he's got the cane and you think about reasonable accommodations can you reasonably accommodate uh this perceived handicapped and and of course they jump in they do the right things like hey you know i wouldn't say you're not going to be treated differently because i feel like that's definitely understood but the fact that they brought up about that bathroom then of course he's like "Ooh, i get my own bathroom and everyone has had that fantasy of not having to share a bathroom at work (laughs) so um you know i think it's one of those things where i think it's great fiction What's really great about this, too, if it was an interview with the HR department, the story Mm -hmm. could have gone still the similar plot line. And it could have just been that over anxious HR professional who's so excited to accommodate someone with a disability. They they get over the top and they jump and almost make it sometimes make the person uncomfortable of how much they're trying to intimidate them or accommodate them. Excuse me. But in this case, operations and it gets them. Uh, the the accommodation. We get our great little montage of how well handicapped George is fitting in with everyone, mm-hmm. and we've got the. Uh, it's been. The, a, I'm not gonna lie. It's been a long time since I've seen the episode, so you probably have a fresher take on it than I do. <laughs> what I like about it is they show like the the large woman carrying him down the hall at one point, <laughs> and he's chatting by the water cooler with some buddies, and a guy's walking by, and he puts his cane out and hooks him under the ankle and makes him fall flat on his face. But then the guy looks up and sees it's George. And so he laughs. Ah, you okay. got me. Yeah. So George is like, for this short montage, at least, he is just fitting in, having a great time. And of course, we all know something like that can't work out for George. Well, it gets better. Right. So him faking the limp 
or, or really not faking it, him, you know, accenting the limp because it was real. It's still part of his physical therapy has caused, you know, how you do that overcompensation on one mm-hmm. leg. So it's caused the other leg to actually have a sprain. Now he's trying to use his cane to help him with the other leg. His boss sees it and he tries to fool him going, oh, no, it's because you before you were across from me and now you're next to me. It's kind of like a mirror. See, left's right, right's wrong. <laughs> and for a minute, you think he's got him because the, the gentleman playing the boss is, is the same gentleman that played Arthur Carlson in WKRP in Cincinnati. And so he's got a little bit of that kind of when he scratches his head, you're like, is he going to fall for it? And he goes, oh, I see what you're doing here. And you think George is busted. Cut away. George is at Jerry's door with a rascal scooter. So we now have well, George and a rascal. George thinks this is going to work. We know better. Yeah. Well, I think also, I think in the HR world, it's hard to just keep it to this one episode because in the next episode, um, they we talk about, of course, so George's employer finds out that he's not handicapped. Like that's obviously, we knew that was going to happen. The typical Seinfeld storyline. Of course, these people are somewhat assholes. And of course, they're going to get find out, found out. But the next episode is George's employer knows that he's not handicapped and they want him fired, but he has a year contract. And the contract basically states that you come to work, you're going to get paid. So he wants that, you know, he wants to ride that out as long as he can. But to me, I think that's a more interesting HR conversation because, yes, so, so we've got this contract and I would love to see this contract because To me, if he's faking a handicap, uh, wouldn't that be considered fraud? And I feel like wouldn't that somehow uh, affect his contract? Like, I I feel that there would have to be some legal pieces there that the company would be able to use to their advantage. So I I feel like that next episode is is pretty funny in the HR world and that, okay, the boss wants him gone, but... We're dealing with this and with this contract. And I feel like that that also, you know, we think about where we were in 1997 versus where we are today and the at will, all the all these other bits and bobs. And, you know, we've all seen in, in hand in play handbooks. This is not a contract. This is not a contract. I mean, I don't know about you. I've I've only I've only signed offer letters. I've never been on a job where I'm on a contract. Uh, and I think employers do that so they can exercise the at will, the, the, the states that are at will, they can exercise that by not having somebody on a contract. And I just went down a rabbit hole. Uh, but what are your yeah, thoughts there? Yeah, did though, because I mean, that's really what we want to talk about is the HRPs. This is one of those where I, I often envy your ability to quickly say, hey, this isn't, I, I don't have enough info here. I'm not the SME <laughs> on this um, because I really uh, I've not worked with the contracts well, I, other than I've done some in, indirect work with people on contracts in New York, which obviously mm-hmm. is where this set. The ones I've encountered do ha- seem to have almost this union type of backing. Mm-hmm. And technically at this point, George, there was nothing about his quote unquote handicap uh, on the job. It was just about the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where, for me, that's where we would, I would need some legal help. But honestly, all he did was say, sure, but the, the, the condition of the employment was, was not directly tied in to his disability. So I don't know if you could accuse him of fraud. What I think allows this, these, this arc to transpire is the fact that there's never an HR member that I'm aware of referred to or uh, consulted. So it becomes a yeah. battle between George and his boss, 
and him going back and forth and then blocking him out of his, his office, but him finding ways. So, yeah, from that standpoint, it's got to be about him being able to get into his office to show up for work on the contract because they keep doing things to make it harder and harder for him to get into the mm -hmm. office. As long as he can make he shows up for work, he's got a job and they, <laughs> they keep doing things creating obstacles, padlocks, changing locks, and he still finds a way, everything imaginable. Life will find a way. <laughs> because at this point now for him, his job is battling them to keep his job. And that's yeah. really where, you're right, the, the next you thing where they, that battle is where the real humor on this storyline. Jerry is starting to slay it and has renewed the interest of NBC. George of course, was the one that really blew their pre previous deal for his sitcom. Jerry cannot stand the fact that Kenny Banya has been going on after him. And basically, he accuses Banya of riding on the wave of him warming up the crowd. Then Banya comes in, he considers Banya a hack. But Banya, the crowd's all amped because of Jerry just slaying it, that Jerry cannot stand the fact that Kenny's success, according to him, is solely because of him coming on after Jerry. So both Jerry and Kenny Banner are at a network showcase for NBC doing stand-up, and the execs are there really seeing, you know, what can we do with these guys to put them on the network? And Jerry, rather than bring his, his A-game and slay it to lock down his sitcom, he purposely bombs... So Banya will bomb after him. So here's an example of someone that instead of just focusing on themselves and giving it their all, knowing that they may have to sh share the, the limelight with someone, they would rather not be as successful just so someone else can't ride on their coattails. I've seen people do that in the work environment. They've done, they've done things to, that have actually damaged them in different aspects, whether it's refusing to do it's all the like work. a toxic work environment. But there are some people that just can't stand for others to be as successful as them, for someone else's success to be tied in with theirs because they just can't handle that. And so here is Jerry getting ready to have a second shot of his dream of having a sitcom, and he sabotages that and risks his dream versus letting his rival be successful. I feel like that that could definitely be in an episode about a toxic work environment, because that is certainly no place that I would want to work. <laughs> you know, the George thing is obviously the, the the true HR story, but this is also relatable in the workplace when you have it even tie into our, our competitive work environment that we recently discussed. Here's someone that's so competitive that they are not going to give their all and they're actually going to self-sabotage versus letting two people be successful versus just themselves. Yikes. Well, Yikes. I certainly, yeah, like that is, I, that is no place where I would want to work. And I don't, can't think of anybody who would want to work there, but you somewhat bring up, uh, you know, brought up in your last kind of bit. I feel like sometimes TV is ruined for me and I'm sure everybody in their industry feels the same way. But a lot of times when I watch either workplace comedies, uh, workplace shows, I, as an HR professional, 
am like, whoa, that would never happen. Or, whoa, where's HR during yeah. all this? So you said that, like, where was HR when they were trying to get George to not come into the office? And I have to say there's a lot of times where I'm like, oof, that would never happen. Or HR would jump in. Or, like, I am not going to lie. I've been watching a lot of The Office. And I know that Toby, God love him, uh, was there, his, the HR person. But there were things that would have never or should have never happened, but that was part of the fun in the show. Another one I will fully admit that I still watch to this day, it's Grey's Anatomy, and I want to know where is the HR department in that uh, in that hospital? <laughs> so I think we've all seen those fun kind of workplace uh, shows where you know certain things that happen shouldn't or wouldn't or would have been stopped by an HR department. What's great about this episode and the this arc and where it heads, they do an amazing job on Seinfeld on really setting up how they're going to end the show because this season, mm-hmm. you just start seeing what truly terrible people they are at one point or another. This that's this is the first yeah. time I really like was like Jerry, you know, like, why would you do that? That's the first time. Cause I mean, he's the, the lovable character who's just his indifference is his, his character flaw through most of the series season nine. I mean, they really yeah, focus on what terrible people they are. I mean, but you could see it throughout the whole, I mean, you can see it throughout all of the seasons. Like they're very, they can be very selfish and very just uh, self-absorbed. But that's, you know, that's the fun of it. I, I mean, I love Larry David. I, you know, if you, anybody who knows me knows how much I love Larry David and I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. And I just think his comedy is perfection, but it's definitely, there's so much Larry David in a lot of this because I think he probably is a pretty cool person but has these little uh personality blips i don't know if that was a good way to put it but where you can be a little you know self-absorbed and i absolutely love it that's why i feel like the show is so funny there's being self-absorbed but to the a hundredth degree you know it's just uh it's to me it's a fun show this definitely makes me want to be a little bit of a nicer person to offset this bad karma they're putting out there i definitely recommend watching the arc the last episode of season eight and then the first couple episodes of season nine and i couldn't stop from there looking back 22 years later because like the show uh ended in may of 1998 so Looking back 22 years, it was just like, I can't even, I feel like I just, it was not 22 years ago that I watched this. What did you think of the finale? I know that now we're going into non-HR uh, topics, but I still think it's fun. What did you think of the, of the, of the finale then and now? There's definitely two very, very different experiences. Yep. <laughs> I liked it when it came out. I thought it was I thought it was fine. It was. It didn't like blow my mind or anything. The season was built to to take it to that finale. You can tell, or at least I think it was. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Really surprised by the blowback and a lot of my friends. Oh, that was stupid. I was like, oh, I get it. They have to deal with each other for a year. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't appreciate it like I do today. So yep. the reason this is fresher to me. This was the only show I've successfully binge watched from start to finish since the pandemic started. Oh, I, wow. have, I have been able to start a lot of shows. I just can't focus on them and I lose interest mm-hmm. after an average of nine episodes. This yes. show, I was able to go from start to finish. Worked, worked better for me this second time around, to be honest. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? So I, I'd say similar. I've, uh, you know, I 
I remember watching it uh, back in 1998, and I I always love to tell this story. I don't know if people remember, but TV Land, uh, the network TV Land, didn't show any programming during the finale over because I had heard that was happening. I don't know how. Like I must have read it in a magazine or something. I remember watching it, being like, "Oh, okay." But after years of reflecting on it, and actually, you know, I was it was 22 years ago. I was, a, I was I was younger, uh, less mature than I am today, but really reflecting on the theme of the, of the show. And I know they talk about how it's nothing, but it, you know, it's about nothing, but it is about these kind of self-centered people who we know we're not great people if you really look at it. And I love how the finale did focus, like jumping back to various episodes, talking about some of the bad behaviors and the bad things they did. And if you think about George, like pushing people out of the way because of a fire or <laughs> thought it was a fire. and like, Children, pushing yes. children out of the way. Yes, yes. So it just goes to show you, and I think they did a brilliant job of really wrapping it up and saying, yeah, you're right. These were bad people and they are going to jail uh, because of of their bad behavior and they are not good Samaritans and I mean I think it's hilarious and again I think that Larry David is just a uh, genius and of course Seinfeld J- Jerry Seinfeld as well but uh, I just I think it's I think it's great and it was a fitting ending and I'm a big kind of I, I don't know I love talking about finales so all day about the, the finales I thought were great and the ones I thought were terrible but um, I think they did a nice job of wrapping this up into a little package of like, here's what you got. Here's what the nine seasons were about. The fact that they had all the people they had wronged to witness the testimony <laughs> against them and participate That's in right. it. We all see things in our own perspective at times. I think the show's popularity, a lot of the audience had lost sight of the fact that they are selfish, terrible mm-hmm. people because they're so funny that they really had to spell it out to you like, okay, we didn't really want to make it so blatantly blatantly obvious because we didn't want to decrease our viewership. But do you get it? These people are really bad people. And so they just <laughs> force it at you. And so even those people that just watched the show at a surface level and didn't really think about it that deeply had to go, oh, I mean, so, so some of us, we were like, yeah, right? I mean, I can't believe no one gets this. And then others were like, holy cow, these guys suck. Yeah. Uh, they didn't let the casual viewer off easy. When I watched the episode where Jerry steals a marble rye from an old woman, yeah. calls her an old bag and runs down the street with it, I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen up to that moment. But then later I have to realize this guy, that if it was anyone else, if I was walking down the street of Manhattan, mm-hmm. And I saw someone in their 30s snag a loaf of bread from someone, call them an old bag and run down the street. I would run after them. Right. <laughs> it is so true. I feel like you could go back and pick out bits and bobs of like, yeah, you would never let that fly. But that that was the fun of the show. And it was just it was well written and uh, well acted. I mean, what a what an iconic group of people in the show. So it's to me, it's a classic, and uh, it's still funny. I, I catch episodes on TV. I don't, I haven't watched it start to finish, but I'll catch episodes on TV, and like immediately, I know what episode it is, and I know it's going to be funny, and it's so it's so good. But they are not good people. <laughs> there you go, Jerry Seinfeld. Not a good person. You heard it here first from Hannah Hampton. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day. That's just me. 
I bet Jerry Seinfeld is an amazing human being. That is just.